Lightning Strikes Thrice is part of the Pitch Drop Podcast Network, please check out our Patreon page and consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash pitch drop. are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a Final Fantasy 13 series game club podcast. This is episode 8, covering the Graviton cores and some side stuff in Final Fantasy 13 2. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and with me is... Matt Marcus. This is Graham Marcuson. I mean, Fletcher. This episode will be a bit of a break from our usual format. The uh, main plot goal is to go hunt down five of the seven Graviton cores to raise the new arc. And uh, since we'd be traipsing about the timeline, now's also the perfect time to check out all the optional areas we could have gone to by now, but did not. We'll probably pop into each area, talk about the overall theme, if there's like a little plot arc, if there's anything noteworthy, uh, if there are any like noteworthy or cool monsters you can get. We're not going to tell you where to find the Graviton cores because they're hidden very well and you could just fucking Google it. So uh, with that out of the way, let's get started with Serendipity. Okay, so right off the bat, Serendipity's music starts like it's the fucking home improvement song until the sax kicks in. Oh, I fucking love it. I, I love think, it. I think it sounds like a Susudio by Phil Collins. It's that, sure. It sounds a little bit like it. It's got the funkiest Moog bass going on underneath like it, at first it just starts like real cheesy 80s sitcom you're right and then that bass rolls ba, in and it just fucking ba, ba, owns ba, 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 it's so good like i said when this game's music gets off the chain it gets off the chain oh this no shouldn't doubt. be in a final fantasy game and the game's designer goes fuck off right yeah dude I love the roulette table. There's that giant roulette table. At first, I was like, I bet you this fucking sucks. And then it modified my movement in exactly the way I'd want it to. Yeah. It's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strangely enough, when people make a casino outside of time and space, they get wild with it. So there's some shit to do here, right? Like, there's an artifact lady who you can go turn in some artifacts to, and you'll never get any of the abilities other than the main plot ones, because the way they grouped it up is dumb. Uh, it makes uh, sense way- to me. It does it? Yeah. Does it make sense that I don't get an ability at 25, 50, 75, and instead it's get all of the artifacts for every for this area in each of its timelines, so all of the aware about artifacts from 2, 3, and 4, which means yeah. you'll never get any of them. 
I have all of them. I well, fuck you. I've been like doing some <laughs> completionist artifact hunting, and I still haven't gotten anything besides those two main you get at the beginning. It's really frustrating. I never even went in here in my first playthrough of the game, so like this is all all news to me. This is straight up a post game thing, so. Like, you cannot finish a lot of these until you get to the end, because you need all the stuff from every version of these places, and you're still getting them in the end game. Yeah. Because, like, However, I assume you get an artifact for, like, beating Atlas early, right? Um. Yeah, there's Paradox artifacts, too, yeah. and there's skills based on that. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is something to keep you interested, or at least, like, give you a reward other than filling out your spreadsheet of, you know artifacts but fragments I just, it's fragments whatever. it's one of those things <laughs> that's just there so you have a little more to play with while you're doing post-game stuff and also because some of these abilities are super goofy i might 100 percent. it's one together. thing away from and now you've unlocked big head mode yeah right oh man yeah no i, I would be interested to see like because we're like doing a show i'm probably not gonna like keep playing until i like ring everything out of it but because we're, we're gonna have to move on to a, you know the next game eventually, but I don't know, man. Like my my uh, completionist streak is just starting to wane. I'm curious how much this would help hold my interest because the post game stuff in thirteen was so bad. Oh god, it was fucking. We took the worst part of the game. You know what? We have an entire episode where I was mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. Moving on. It's so bad that you're still mad about it like a month and a half later. It's so bad. I'm just saying, the artifact lady lets you turn Sarah into being part Chocobo. That's all I'm going to say. Wait, uh, Fletch, what what parts should I should I even ask? Are we talking like oh, reverse mermaid or regular tell mermaid? Tell us about it. No, like you get um, Chocobo jump physics and oh. flutter and other things. Oh, I thought you like literally meant like she started going Chocolina. No, no, you can only dress her up like that using an option. Ah, okay, that's somewhat better. That's a different thing, but that doesn't come from the artifact lady. We we get the jump boots after next episode, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but you also get from the artifact stuff like super jump and hover and other things. Like I say, it's one option off of just being big head mode and 90s NBA jam codes. Yeah, collecting these artifacts is some dumb completionist garbage, but I do like it because it reminds me of platforming games. That um, you end up. That's a good uh, sentence, Graham. <laughs> I mean, like being able to grab stuff from, I guess, technically across, you know, ages or times is makes that a little sting a little bit less. Or can you only find the artifact in one version of Yasha's Massif or something? I guess it's age specific. They just hide it as if it's in a different time because you got to still use. Yeah, log. it really just comes down to knowing which door to go in to find it at times. Yeah, yeah. Also, slots, which you should never do. It's not really worth it. I put it. a thousand gill and chips down the slots tube. I had to tape down the slots button for an hour, and at no point did I ever have more chips than I started with. I mean, but you... Sounds right. <laughs> yeah, true to life. Yeah, and it's like, there's a whole system behind it, too, that's, like, pretty ridiculous. I'm looking at a fact page about the slots right now, and it's Real silly. Someone even bothered to crunch the numbers. The tutorial is like half an hour long for playing slots. I thought I was playing, and then I realized, no, that was just the tutorial. They just give you like 700 coins just to make you feel okay before you lose them all. And you win a lot in the tutorial, and I just fucking just... 
there are so many games that have slots in them. Like I played a lot of slots uh, in Dragon Quest V, like the DS remake of V. But I was like save scumming like a motherfucker in order to get the you know like the whatever the Metal King sword early. But you can't do that in this game because it's you know a single auto saving file. So that sucks. Don't you need to like get ten thousand coins to get one of the artifacts? Yep. No, there's like four of them. You can just be me. And just dump all of your gill in here for like 25 hours. Because you can't just buy it at like a 10 to 1 ratio. Yes, you'd spend... No, I think he's talking about the one that there's one artifact where you have to have spent X coins in the slots. Was it in the slots? I thought you just had to purchase that many coins from... I swear one of them is you must have spent X coins on slots because I remember taping down my controller and making a sandwich. I don't think that's true. I think it's just you have to have spent X coins in general because like uh, the casino manager keeps changing his dialogue every time I go in and just dump a billion coins on. uh, I'm going to double check. Yeah, let's do that on slots and stuff. It's a wild artifact, too. Oh, well, we're here. We can talk about how I spent. 9,000 sub chips on an artifact named Just One Gill, which was fine, and I wasn't mad about it until it also said you item obtained one gill. That's very <laughs> funny. Then I was slightly mad about I it. I saw that pop up on my, like, hey, get one gill, and I'm like, what? what is that? It's just an artifact. Oh, weird. The only ones you really want, care about, unless you're going to do all of them, are uh, Chaos Crystal and the Wild Artifact. You get this chaos crystal, and then you can give it to Hope mm-hmm. in a four XX and get a chaos weapon. Ooh! And uh, those stats scale with how many artifacts you have. Okay, I was half right. Okay, let's hear about it. The lucky coin fragment. You must have earned seven thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven casino coins from the serendipity slot machine in all total. Oi, that's even worse than spending it. Uh, I was close. That's worse than spending it, because now it's instead of this artifact will cost me X gill, it cost me question, 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 gill. Yeah, but I just knew there was something where I had to tape down the friggin' button. Yeah, I did that. By the way, we was... haven't mentioned yet, but Serendipity is, like, full of Chocolinas and, and different palette swaps, and then, like, cat women, and, like, it's all very weird. <laughs> we didn't mention it because I found it shameful. It's a casino outside of time. Why would it not be horny and furry? fair i'd believe it <laughs> there is some chocobo racing which seems like a colossal waste of time uh yeah i i haven't looked too deeply into it but it seems like that but do you think it's interesting that with chocobo racing you collect chocobos out in the world as monsters and then you take them in here and race them so it's kind of cool that you have that mm-hmm. connectivity between your battles and raising monsters and an actual mini game right even. That's cool, but that's also the part that makes it take a long time, or you just dump money into upgrade materials. And like right now, we can only buy tier two, right? Mm, I I don't know. Like I, I've run into uh, like yes. green chocobos and I think a silver chocobo once. I have a white and a yellow, or maybe it's white. I believe we're at a point where you can have a golden, and it comes from like a one percent spawn chance in Yashis. Yikes! Nope, fuck that. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely, like, I gotta see which ones I've fought already. I've only caught that very first one because I don't have Chris's, like, ridiculous RNG luck where he skill gets everything skill. the first time somehow. All skill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, you can apparently play cards here? That is DLC. Okay, 
So you know what I figured out is that the for the PC version, none of the DLC unlocks until you beat the main story and then visit the Historia Crux for the first time in New Game Plus. That has 100% changed because I know I did the DLC stuff with the casino, at least, before the end uh, game. Chris, did you go to... There's two serendipities. I think when I downloaded... There are two? Yes. Yeah, there's one... One what? is the DLC one, one is the regular yeah. one. Right, right, right. I only have one. And I looked up, like, oh, why don't I have any of the DLC shit? And it's because I have to beat the game. Okay, they've changed that since launch. No, then. yeah, no, there's notes about how they actively patched it to make it worse. <laughs> okay, that's why. Got what? it. That's yeah. not what it's like on PS3, because when I when I downloaded the, bought the DLCs, I saw both of those DLC areas show up at, like, before Brescia 3AF on the map. Yeah, I'm real well, jelly. The big issue is the fact that the PC version just comes with it, so you would get them right as you got to the crux, and that would let you break the game. I mean, you probably could still do that on PS3, I, I assume, because if you buy it, it probably just shows up, unless they gate it on progress somewhere. Yeah, it's likely allowing you to do that. Interesting. That That's interesting. So, I don't know. I guess we'll have to cover that pretty late. <laughs> We can't cover that now. I don't know. Are you guys planning to do the actual DLC I, thing, or should we just want toss to. that in here with Serendipity? I, I might 100% this game, honestly, but you should talk about the Serendipity stuff now. Well, if we discuss the cards, I may as well go into Saz's entire DLC that takes place in this locale. Okay, well then, nah. Nah, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, hold off. we'll wait. Uh, there's a card game. It's the best way to make coins in the game. Okay. Now, I should go do that. We can go to New Bodum. Tell me about New Bodum. You go back to Bodum 3AF, there's a Graviton core hanging around. That's really all there is to it. Yep. It's just brewing out. Yep. Yep. Well, you couldn't get it. before because it didn't have the Moogle look. The Moogle reveal. Yeah, you couldn't. No, you throw. definitely you, could get that Don't before. you need the throw? No, it's just no, hanging you, out. I'm pretty sure it's like visible. Yeah, you just need the scan. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you, you can get it immediately. Gotcha. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I remember where that is. Yeah. For the record, I somehow had all seven of these before I got there. That's funny. I only ended up with uh, three or four. I know I had three when I made it to four XX uh, AF uh, Academia, and then I went back and dug around for the other four. I got all seven. Hmm. I mean, it's free CP. Why would you not? Yeah, and side quests and extra stuff, extra content, if you will. Sunleth Waterscape 300 AF. If you've missed something, uh, you might want to go back there, but I think there's only like one artifact besides the main content. So that's it. Or I think there's a gate there too, but we might get to that later. Brescia Ruins 5 AF. Okay, I think we talked about how you can try and fight Atlas without deactivating that one device before fighting him and that unlocks like a new path or something i forget if you can do that one without the paradox scope i think that's the only one you can brute force point is is that i went back there and tried to fight him i did not win he was still really hard same i, I tried it once uh, is he like so you tried to fight Ugalu and didn't win, right? Like, is it about that difficult or harder? I don't... Because I beat Ugalu. Because, like, I tried to fight Atlas at the beginning of this chapter, and I tried to fight Ugalu at the, at the end, so the differences in strength would be pretty significant. I mean, the thing is, Atlas okay. just doesn't take a lot of damage, 
or his health is really bad. I don't know which one it is, but like when I tried to fight him both? on my own, it was just I'm chipping away so little of his health that I was going to eventually get wounded to death. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Atlas is definitely a boss you have to abuse Ravagers on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've come around. Ravagers are probably the best role in the game. I used to think it was Commandos, but... Ravagers are pretty Ravagers good. Ravagers are great. I like, and I've, you know what I've noticed in this game is that I feel like their damage dealing is higher than in the previous game. Like, there are times yes. when I would have switched over to Cerberus, you know, once we got into Stagger. But these days, you know, if you have a guy with or a monster with enough magic points, you can just roll on throwing around your AOE stuff and it just does just well, enough it damage. it has to be. Right. It has to be because even when because when we were when we were having uh, character development problems early on, I looked into the two games and this game just the ATB runs three times slower. So your damage just has to be higher. Right. But then it's not proportionally, <clears throat> excuse me, proportionally higher for Commando as it was for Ra- I feel like Ravager got a boost. Uh, Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe Commando got a nerf. Maybe it might just be your bonuses also. Because like fair. I went until this episode, the whole game with no commando bonus bonuses because it just never came up. Oh, that's interesting. I, I I'm on like Ravager two bonus for at least Sarah. And I think I have Ravager one on Noel. Yeah, but for Ravager, that's just chain gauge. Bonuses, that's true. Not like I d- damage. I definitely have a commando, commando bonus on damage. Noel definitely has one commando bonus, if not two. Yeah, I got two this episode. It was great. Mm-hmm. I, I should write down which one. I do so much more damage now. <laughs> so, moving on. At this point, let's hop into Brescia 300 AF again. The area is now covered in snow, and the local government is actually putting out bounties to have civilians uh, wipe out as many monsters as they can because of the fact that the guards are so overworked trying to keep people from screwing around or getting killed in the actual ruins. As a result, Mog goes, let's do it. Money, 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 dosh, dosh, dosh. This is a pretty random development for Mog. Like, he's just suddenly capitalistic and opportunistic. I thought there was one <laughs> other time where he said he wanted money. He, he didn't know why he wanted it. I like it. it a lot. Sarah goes, what are you, you going to buy with it? I don't know, but I want it. I mean, the dude basically motorboats Chocolina at one point. He loves capitalism. Oh, boy. Yeah. Who doesn't love capitalism? <laughs> Me. <sighs> I, was, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> you didn't lose a hand. Mm-hmm. The one thing I can say, they're playing um, Full Steam Ahead as the background music, which, of course, is one of my favorite tracks on the soundtrack. It's the intro to this uh, to this season. That's why I like it so much. But also the snow effect. Everyone should be frostbitten because no matter what you're wearing, you're just completely like Noel and Sarah are completely covered in snow. And I'm not, yeah. and I don't mean like snow, snow, like the character snow. I mean like the actual precipitation. I just wanted to be clear on that. Oh yeah, you better bet Sarah's <laughs> covered in snow. Skeet skeet. Uh-huh. Oh damn it! There goes my joke. <laughs> uh, frosted. Uh. You're welcome. <laughs> Ain't just the tips, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Snow is the Guy Fieri of this world. <sighs> I don't want to think about Snow's version of Flavortown. I really don't want to think about Snow's Flavortown. Yeah, this is... Oh, it's coming. <laughs> it's it's actually part of this game. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think he fought a tomato for 200 years? No vegetables in my world, brother! 
Look, all I'm saying is that 200 years is a long time to not be able to nut. Who says he didn't? <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, oh. Look, just because you're engaged doesn't mean... Anyway, I'm... <laughs> uh, look, I'm just saying, you know, keep fighting your, your mutant tomatoes before marriage, kids out there. <laughs> so... What is this thing about that we have in this document about mutant chocobos and a tonberry? Okay, so mutant chocobos, this is the first time for me where I came across mutant chocobos, and those are those those red, volatile chocobos that eat up all your gishal greens. But most importantly, they have that one theme. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to drop it in here, because of course I'm going to drop it in, like, right here. Okay, so what's the like, deal with this Tonberry? I somehow missed this entire, this Tonberry. Okay, so every once in a while you come across these enemy encounters where the enemy doesn't really appear. What appears is a very volatile void that's just sucking in everything and making a mess. Uh, that means that you're about to fight a super boss or, a, you know, a really tough enemy, a boss enemy. In this case, the super enemy in the tunnels of brescia is a tonberry now i tried fighting this guy he was really tough he hit really hard pretty frequently and he did a whole bunch of debuffs if he didn't outright ko my party members it was tough was it any different than the tonberry in the last game or was it like just similar kind of battle but you know at this point it's just late game strength well definitely the flow of these battles are different but he's it was pretty much the same battle from the last game. Okay. Yeah, because those guys can get real nasty if you can't overwhelm them. If you if the battle dragged on, I remember the battles got really tough, especially the one with three Tonberries in the Titan Trials. Yeah, that's definitely true because... I, well, I, that's the thing. I didn't play the battle very long because I was getting hit so hard and so quickly that I just gave up. I'm sure if the battle continued on, he would start pulling out some very powerful moves and destroying me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as they take damage, they start you know piling on more damage and worse debuffs like Fog and uh, Pain. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but they hit with a lot of debuffs and all those things. It's pretty nasty. So, you can get a quest in the, uh, the lower levels of the sewer from Thurston, who... Thurston... Uh, Thirsty Thurston. He's Thurston. He's Thurston in the basement. <laughs> Matt, please. <laughs> he has the idea to uh, blow up the ruins. After speaking to the commander, you can return to him and say, yo, that's fucking stupid. That, that should have been like, first thing is like, hey, why don't we blow everything up? That seems like a bad idea. <laughs> it seems fine. It seems fine. Uh <sighs> You could also try to go visit the device that weakened Atlas, and a government worker will block you from getting close to it. Yeah, this guy, his vocal performance is really snooty and kind of funny. I don't think it's laugh out loud funny, but it is nice to have this 
this it's guy comedic. whose voice yeah. actor just decided to like bring a really obnoxious, snooty voice to the role. Is there anything we do with this guy at this point, or is this just a thing for later? Or is I it just haven't there? done anything with this guy yet. I'm going to see what happens. Okay. I don't recall anything coming of him. You can also go do what I think is my favorite side quest in the game. Tell me about it, Matt. Okay, so up in the uh, northern parts of Brescia, over where the uh, gravestones were, where you fought Atlas, see a shadowy figure that if you use the Mughal find skill, uh, it is a guy standing there, and his name is Lex, and he's looking for his friend Brant. And Brant is in the uh, tunnels towards the beginning of the area. I want to say it's near where one of the uh, gates was in Brescia 3 AF. The only way to get through this quest is to tell a bunch of jokes and, you know, via live triggers. They're all so low energy. I love it. Yeah. And the guy's like real campy in response. And it's a very weird little side quest, especially with some of the uh, choices they made with the uh, sound editing. Like, for instance, Graham, there's a laugh track. There's, There's a little laugh, laugh track. Hold on, I you know what? I looked up the answers to this because d- is there like a boo track if you pick a bad one? Damn, that's a good question. I never checked. Yes. Oh, good, great, man. I should just try to find those sounds and rip it and put it in the podcast. Just every time someone says something real stupid, it's going to be in the bout takes episode. Just transitions. Perfect. Anyhow. Brant tells you that Lex died years ago, but, you know, if you happen to see him again, time-traveling heroes, could you give him a message? The message is, ha-ha, Lex, I actually discovered a new monster after you died. And anyway, when you do that, Lex vanishes, turns into an artifact, and you're done here. What I actually like about this is that this is one of the few times the game deals with hey, time and space are broken and weird, creepy things would be happening to regular people, like the ghost of your dead friend is kicking around for some reason. I mean, that's something we see in other areas, too, in this in this section of the game, right? The the orbs we'll talk about. Oh, yeah, there's, there's more than one of these, yeah, but okay. this is one of the most on-the-nose times you see it and get to play with just like, this would be hellish for regular people. If you go back to the beach at the start of the game, everyone's cool, but by this many years later... Time and space are so fucked up that my dead buddy is standing around his gravestone. (laughs) And Brescia is easily the most ghost-haunted place in the game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Next up, we can go to the Yashash Massif in 110. This era of the Massif is eerie. Researchers have been going missing and replaced with ominous red orbs called Grief Spheres. Mm -hmm. That rules. It's it's fucking awesome. Well, they have many names. Ghost missions for grief spheres fucking into it. Yeah. <laughs> they are manifestations of remorse of those absorbed by the paradigm. So there's one bad thing about this, which is that you can see all the orbs to start with, but only certain ones will give you quests at a time. And there's, yeah, there's a little chain of progression. Yeah, they're so, up like the sea stones were. So basically, every time you finish one, you have to go to every orb and see if the next chain has unlocked. The nice thing, though, is that the items that they want you to find, because it's usually you go to a place and you find an item, you can just see those around. Like, they're obviously, like, hidden in the time distortion or whatever. But, like, you can grab all of the items before talking to any of them 
you know, you don't need to trip that flag first. That's true. The problem, though, is that I, you know, a couple of times I had the item already, but I didn't know. There was no way to tell, like, in the interface when you have, you know, because they give you a quest marker. There's the little blue exclamation point with a circle saying this is a quest person. But there isn't one saying, hey, you have the item for this quest. Go back to to this place. And as far as I know, I don't. Is there a quest log anywhere? I haven't really yeah. been able to find it. Okay, because I haven't. I just haven't dug it into it enough. But yeah, like, it's, it's in the data log. Yeah, but literally there were times when I'm like, oh, oh, I already have that, but I forgot to talk to the person, this the, the orb, <laughs> the orb person a second time. You can like do a pretty clean sweep without too much backtracking, but for the most part, these are fetch missions. At the very least, they give you a screenshot of the location you need to find the item. That one for the thief, and I think it's the 110, was not helpful at all. Yeah, sometimes. But yeah, there's a, like the first orb you listen to has a spirit of a woman who's calling out to see her sister. Sister's name's I think, Millie. I guess that's how you pronounce that. You can find her in one of the valleys and she gives you an item and you go back and you talk to the person again. And then the orb just kind of stays there, right? It doesn't go away. Yeah, they don't disappear. They just stop interacting with you. Or at least I think so. Um, some of them turn back into people. Do they? Um, there's a kind of Kamui fly enemy that is devastating. I try to fight this early in this chapter. Come back to me later on to see how I progress with it later on. Where is it? I want to go murder it. It's in Yashas Massif, 10 AF. It's by... It's Oh, shoot. Let me get my directions. It's in the southern west part of the map where all those like open valleys are okay mm-hmm. yeah completing the quest leads to space-time distortion on the southern end of the massif a clock puzzle needs to be solved to resolve it the paradox that was harming the massif was the same paradox that threatened Pajra long ago so are we gonna talk about these hands of fate right now or hands of time yeah just fuck them that's yeah, all that, that's <laughs> a, we summarized <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, so right. So we've already had, you know, when you go into the paradox, you know, world, you had to connect the dots and then you had the like, you know, run get to the other side with with the falling planes, but this time you have a clock. The clock has a certain number of spots in it that that's, you know, random and each one has a number and the number corresponds to how far the hands will move from that spot if you select it. And you're trying to clear the entire board, and these these suck because, <laughs> because no, they're, they're just, great. They're actual logic uh, puzzles. Okay, fine. They're actual logic puzzles, but I feel like okay, the timer should not start until you push a button, though. That's what sucks about them. Well, that's that's only. I'm certain, pretty like, sure it does. No, 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 no. Sometimes, Actually, sometimes it starts the second you walk in. Yeah, there's two kinds. They're like the ones you get that are like you just see around in the areas, like just pillars of light. Those are usually predetermined, and when you reset, it's the same pattern, and they're usually simpler. But there's usually one paradox you have to mog reveal, and that one is brutal because usually it's a full clock. It's like all 12 spots on it, and the timer goes off the second you walk into the circle, not before you select anything, and it resets every single time you reset. So it's a different puzzle every time. Yeah, it's because it's subtly tweaking it to be simpler if you're screwing up. Does it really? Or 
You could just Google Mog Clock Solver. Sorry, Hands of Time Solver. And here's a, there's a handy little web page. Yeah, someone did actually create a way that you can just enter the numbers and it'll tell you how to do it. Wow. Yep. That's how I did all yeah. of them. Because like I said, these are logic puzzles. Yeah, I mean, they'd be fine. But like when you're trying to play this on a deadline, <laughs> it's not fun. Uh, uh, all right. Rank the paradox puzzles. I say clock best, crystal second, and... Nope, 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 nope. Oh, okay. Wrong. Okay. I feel, like, right. I feel like I feel go. like the clocks like in a vacuum are fine, but like in this game, I hate them the most. Okay, here we go. Clock puzzles where the timer doesn't start right away. Tier one. The falling tiles where the crystals don't move. Tier two. Denny's menu connect the dots. Tier three. <laughs> then at, below that is the uh, tile puzzles where the crystals move. And then at the very bottom is Hands of Time, where the timer starts immediately. Really? Okay. Okay. Like, I yeah. like the puzzle. I just, if you're going to give me the puzzle, let me do the puzzle. It's not cool to just, like, it's, I don't think it's very interesting when it is randomly regenerated every time. And there's a fucking timer that starts right away. Yeah. All right, fair. Like, I don't mind working it out, but what I, I do mind... Just here's 30 seconds to work it out and input the solution. And should you fail, here's a new one. Start over. So you do know the way to cheat that, right? Uh, yeah, you just hit pause. Yeah. OK, cool. Just checking. <laughs> you run into the middle. You press start. You open the hands of time solver, punch them all in. And then hopefully it takes less than whatever time you have left to execute. <sighs> also, fuck the crystal. Fuck the crystal connectors while we're here. Right? Because they can't find a way to make it more difficult because it's fucking connect the dots. So what they do is they just make it more and more annoying to do with, like, just huge missing areas that you have to walk forever around. I really like those because then it does become time management rather than just, oh, you just have to match colors. Kind of. All it means is start with one of the ones that has the long walk. That way you don't have to do it twice and you're done. Yeah, start with the long walk and try and take out one that cycles through four colors at the same time. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there was only one of these connect the dots ones that I actually had trouble finishing with time. I had to try it like two or three times. And I yeah, was it's like the one really with the close. giant sideways L on the bottom, whatever the fuck that was. So uh, from memory, and I may be wrong on this, the game actually stores those all in order. So the last ones you do in the game will always be hardest. Oh, and I'm pretty sure that those are the ones that I had to start coming up on time with. I may be wrong on that. Maybe I just did them all in a bad order, but I'm pretty sure that is how it does the crystal puzzles. Well, see, the thing is, you know, if the timer is like really tight, the thing I hate about it is that controlling your character sucks. You turn in like a weird radius and you can't really change directions very easily. You kind of have to do like little like half circles to like change direction cleanly. It's very frustrating when you're trying to do this on a timer. I mean, most of the time you have plenty of time and it's not a big deal. But in situations where you have to be a little bit more strategic or, you know, have to be more patient with the crystals changing and you still can't like pivot very quickly. I, I definitely lost those couple of rounds because I couldn't change direction as cleanly as I would have in a character action game. Hmm. It's too floaty. I mean, it's not super precise or anything, but there are definitely times I wanted to pivot like 180 degrees or like 150 degrees. And I had to do like a little half circle, like fighter move to like spin yeah. my character around. 
keeping momentum up. It's weird because it feels like that's why they put those kinds of puzzles into this game and why these are challenges because your movement isn't very snappy. It's got that momentum. It's got that velocity, which just feels weird. Of course, this doesn't thematically have a whole lot to do with the idea of unwinding a paradox, does it? No, it's a fucking Denny's menu game. Who gives a shit? My child can do this at the Red Robin. (laughs) Me, I give a shit. You, You like Denny's? No, I hate Denny's. I went to, you know what, real talk, I went to a Denny's, like, a week ago, and it's, like, fucking $14 for the most mediocre food. It's not even cheap anymore. What? It's definitely cheap, dude. I live in California, and I can get a fucking meal for five bucks. Oh, dude, it was, like, $14 for the fucking, Your like... Denny's get- is cursed. Solve the paradox, bitch. <laughs> what? No, I'm good. Uh, sol- solve the paradox of why this doesn't exist by driving an oil tanker into it. <laughs> <laughs> here's a real denny's story my wife loves denny's i straight up have a requirement i am only doing one denny's visit a year Dude, <laughs> get the fucking felony artifact for driving this oil tanker into a denny's and resolving the paradox <laughs> i mean more than a couple things you do are felonies how many cp do you think i'll get for that at least 500 you realize Oh my god, I'm just imagining the Drill series of artifacts now. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Jail isn't real, I say, as I close my eyes and slam on the gas towards the Hallmark store. <laughs> all paradoxes. Actually, a lot of Drill tweets are paradoxes now that I think I about actually... it. <laughs> this is my Historia Crux. I'll never log off. Let's move on. Never stop posting, kids. I will never <laughs> log off. Nope. <laughs> anyway... Red Orb quests. We continue on with the next wave of paradoxes. Graham had something to say here. For the note, we did change timelines. It's just more of the same. We're now at 100 AF. One of the quests literally reuses a fine comm device plot that was used early in Brescia. And not only are these devs scraping at the bottom of the barrel to like create content for this game, i.e. fetch quests, they're even reusing fetch quests. Like, they even reuse a MacGuffin to snatch. My dude, this game is literally made of recycled assets. That's true. Like, this is the most profitable game of all time because it costs nothing to make. That's not true. There were voice actors. Yeah, there's a lot of voices in here, actually. I think that's probably where most of the development money went. <laughs> Very likely. No, just whatever. But it's a good game. You don't You don't bash on good games. Look, look, if we had a problem with recycled assets, none of us could be SMT fans. Hey, 
Hey! <laughs> I'm playing through Strange Journey Redux right now, which is my fifth time playing it in the space of a year. Right. Shut up. And I'm saying you have no problems with recycled assets. They so leveled up and fine. recycled the entire game instead of just the assets. <laughs> hey, for what it's control worth. Control V, control V, drag it over to the fucking whatever medium it's on, we're done. For what it's worth, this is definitely the highest res some of these 2D assets have been. Cool. I should pick it up. Can you see the pre-cum on Mara's head? Yes. <laughs> Seriously, every time you capture something <laughs> or defeat it, it zooms in right into your face. Oh, boy. Perfect. Uh, yeah, so, like, the very first fairy you recruit gets uncomfortably close. So many penis monsters <sighs> in that game. That series. It's real good. <laughs> uh, now, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up. I, I, I've been meaning to play it. It's also much nicer than uh, the original. Mm-hmm. This takes it from being, like, one of the most bastard hard games in the series to, like, uh flexible difficulty level cool all right so orbs orbs anyway there's there's orbs there's holes in time and when we finish the 100 af noel is going to talk about old lore because Uh noel is technically an old man in a young man's body yeah he's the fucking deckard kane of this game actually he kind of is i actually just realized no yeah he's fucking deckard kane What's that Stay wild, listen through this mandatory cutscene where I have the most, like, pained facial expression the whole time. Once upon a time, a monster attacked Padra. The seeress cast it into the void, but it has returned. Go, barbarian! You know what the worst part about that shit is, is most of the tales stories he tells you are things that, it's not even, like, interesting history, it's things that haven't happened yet. Yeah, that's the funny part, is technically this is all history to him, but you're like, we're standing right here. We're watching this. Yeah, fucking shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> so we go back to uh, 110 AF and still covered in orbs. We do some more ghost missions. One of these is noteworthy because it's like an anti-cocoon cult that leaves like fucking blood paintings everywhere. <laughs> it <laughs> Which does was rule. Weird. It, it's, it's pretty cool. I wish they had gotten into that a little bit. But uh, when you finish, a new orb appears near the Chocolina. She says a beast appeared in the city that devoured time instead of prey, and uh, Yule banished the creature into the void beyond to save Padra. Doing so created a cancer on time that began to swallow humans one by one, leaving only the crimson orbs. Yule says the seal is weakening and it will allow the monster to roam free once more, and this time she will not be able to banish it. We are then given a mission to defeat the ancient evil. And then a mission box pops up that says, defeat the ancient evil. Yes, no. Yeah. <laughs> Which I liked a lot. And then you click yes. And then you just go fight the ancient evil instead of 10 hours of bullshit like every other JRPG. Yeah, I tried fighting this thing, the Oogaloo. It was too hard, though. And, well, like, the reason why is because he starts out the battle with a... He howls and he buffs himself quite a bit. And he attacks ferociously. I was not able to keep up. I was not able to dispel him. You know what the secret? Well, you can't dispel him. Oh. The secret is that you need a sentinel with fringe ward. Like, so uh, Bunker Beast, right, is the one I rolled with. Because Bunker Beast is really fucking strong. 
It's one of the the shell lizards, right? Mm. He hits the Bunker Beast. Bunker Beast doesn't take too much damage because it's in Sentinel, but everyone else takes like 30% less than they usually would because of Fringe Ward. So it was very hard, but I beat it. You're all idiots. You just cast Akaja. I don't know what that is. It's, it's, an, it's SMT. an SMT joke. Yeah. No, I, I got it. It nulls stat bonuses. Yeah. Look, it would have been so much better if we just had Tetracarn, right? I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then the monster will just start casting Almighty because they're a cheating bastard. <laughs> <laughs> SMT jokes. So Yule says thank you. You get a wild artifact. Noel hopes we eased her suffering, which doesn't matter because she's like already dead and beyond time anyway. The Ugalu fragment, though, does have like some cool lore on it. I want to read that. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the monster Ugalu once descended upon ancient Quadra. Many a lassie and a mighty warrior faced the beast, but none were able to subjugate it. Only the seeress Padra Nsuyul of the Farseers knew... It's a fucking made-up word with MSU, fuck you. Of the Farseers knew the true extent of the menace it posed. It was a monster from the CRS's future. Its very existence in her time was a contradiction and an impossibility. If it was not destroyed, the tear in space-time would grow until it consumed the entire nation. So the CRS made the fateful decision to break her own vows and seal the beast within the void beyond. Which is all fucking rad. Into all of that. Also, keep in mind that means that every Yule is technically Sailor Pluto and has the ability to just banish things outside of time at the cost of their own life. Yeah, for sure. You can also go to Awareba 200 AF. I only bring it up because the Graviton core here is exceptionally well hidden. It's like across a chasm on a railway that you can never path to, and it, it is very hard to angle Mog over there to get it. You have to stand by like the giant tree in the middle of town and toss it. Well, yeah. Toss Mog. I feel like tossing Mog should be a euphemism for something, but I don't even want to imagine what. If you end up in Awareba 300 AF, we get a bit of Mog-centric story action, I, I guess you can call it that. Mostly talking about how he has no memory and no family, and as you travel around and enter the distortions and solve the paradoxes, the Denny menus, Mog starts to remember more and more, and it's little bits of Like, I remember the smell of this place, or this reminds me of a specific memory of how I felt, those such things. It's pretty sparse, at least at the beginning. It's because Mog sucks. That's right, y'all. This is Mog Origins. Yeah. I mean, I know, like, the data log says Mog is a spirit that lives in the clock staff, but they don't really address anything about that in this uh, background section, (laughs) at least not that I've seen. Yeah, it's not very consistent, or at least it doesn't seem like it. Not mm. that I care too much about, like, Mog's true identity. No, I don't care about Mog at all. Oh, Mog is a Tenno. That's it. All I wanted to say here is I found out, after doing one of these shitty Denny menu puzzles, you can also, before you walk through the gate at the end to go on to the next puzzle, you can still accidentally push retry and have to do it again. Why would you do that? <laughs> I know! Why could you still retry after you finished it? I I'm was you. so angry! Why would you do that? Accidentally. I put my controller down, and when I picked it up, I bumped it with my thumb. Fuck you. <laughs> Uh, I feel but like I was really mad. I feel like that was karma for something. That's incredibly <laughs> funny to me. That made me so mad. <laughs> it wasn't one that was like, please tell me it was a hands of time. Please tell me. 
No, it was because this one's all like connect the dots. Okay, okay. <laughs> because if it was hands of time, I would have laughed even harder. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, dude. There's the one hands of time I did like four times. I did all almost all of this stuff before we got to 400 because I forgot to open the plot gate. Ha! The one in a uh, 100, the last one you open, uh, right in front of the gate to 110. I did that like five times. Because it crashed one time. <laughs> the other two times I was fucking around with settings because 400 AF is when I finally got the PC version of this game to run in a way that I didn't hate with the uh, fixer. And then after that, I'm like, I'm too tired for this. And then I came back. I'd done so many hands of time puzzles. I'm fucking over it. Yeah, it's a whole like in terms of pacing, it's pretty. R- I mean, like if you're doing bits and pieces of this as you're going through the main plot gates, this isn't so bad. But, you know. Or you could be us and do all of the awarebas in a row and just spend three hours on fucking connect the dot. Yeah, and and hands of time puzzles like that's what I was doing last night and this morning was just, oh, my God, this is taking so long. Uh, I mean, like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. Like my my play clock is only at like 24, 23 hours at this point, which I feel like I've gotten a lot of game. But okay, it's fine. Like getting an ingrown hair on your dick is fine. Like, you're not going to die, but it's still bad. And I, I assume you're speaking from personal experience. I am apparently at 47 hours. Wow. Oh, is that, does that include New Game Plus? Stuff that or? is, yeah, that's total time. Wow. That's not bad. I'm at 50 hours already. Yeah, well, I mean, Fletch, you've gotten to the end, right? Because you, you played yeah. New Game Plus? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I have gone through everything again for a refresher, and if we take long enough, I will redo the end game, but... Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I yeah, have started so- playing Lightning Returns already. Yeah, nice. The question then, like, how far are we at this point in the main plot? Like, how far are we from the end if we mainline it? According to that game fact timetable, I have no idea because it includes fucking side shit. In all seriousness, we are incredibly close to the end. The big roadblock on this plot is the chapter we're covering next episode because it's super linear and you can't do anything else during it. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, because at this point in the game when we were playing 13, we were just hitting Pulse. Yeah. You know, for the first time. And and then things got really weird. Basically, here's how the rest of the game goes. This is the big open section, and this is why all the side quests are here. The next chapter is super linear and dumps a lot of plot on you. And then basically the final chapter is just here's a couple more spots, but you can just beeline end game in like two areas. Hmm. Awareba, the finale of Mog's plot. Blah blah blah. Puzzle vortexes. Blah blah blah. Mog will continue to smell random things from time holes. Like and his own fucking if, baby tears. Yeah. And every time you do one, he has some more flashbacks, sort of like Mog is a Grateful Dead concert-loving hippie who just smells pot, and now he's having constant trips every time. Basically, uh, don't go to San Francisco is what I'm saying. Anyway, he was born in an ocean of time, but fell into a vortex and drifted away from his origin point. Playing hide-and-seek, what an asshole. You know... Mog might have been a baby of whatever freaky species he is. I don't think they clarify. But eventually he forgot his past, his history, etc. And at the end, he is offered a chance to return to wherever that is and decides he likes tits. I mean, Sarah. He likes Sarah. She is the tits. This is character development, I guess. (laughs) 
I was very excited because Sarah acts all sad as though we're finally going to be rid of Mog, and then I have to watch him do the world's worst fucking dance. <laughs> it's true. By the way, this area does look dope. Yeah. Like, it's all super mm. whitewashed, like, into it. Oh, I hope you like this effect later. There's hella good loot here also. You can get, like, 3,000 casino coins just laying around. Nice. Nice. Now, over in Sunleth Waterscape 400 AF, the color palette of this area is more nightly and hushed than 300 AF. Sarah thinks she hears Snow's voice. Can, and, I, can I interrupt for a sec? Uh, Just the further you get into time, the more everything is washed out and faded, and that's because history itself is falling apart slowly. Cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> the heroes find a bunch of flans that look lonely and scared. They have lost their friends. Sarah wants to help. Noel is usually a monster hunter, not a monster finder, but he'll make an assumption in this case. The player has to travel around Sunleth uh, using Mog to uncover invisible flans. There are five total. When you find them all, you head to the large grove where you fought his royal ripeness, and all of the children have gathered and are attacking the pillar. And then you fight the fucking flan sentai squad. <laughs> Uh, which is really funny because like this is a whole section about being nice to flans and then you straight up murder five of them. I know, I know Graham's going to come in and say they were just knocked out, but like, no, no, you pretty much set them on fire and they died. I don't like hurting the flans. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird it turn. But then again, there's no other way to solve things in this game other than uh, hit it real hard. After you murder them, Sarah gets real mad. Uh, she just like full out just yells at them so hard. They like cry and then jump off a cliff. And then Noel is reminded that Sarah can evoke lightning's temper. So there's this incredible moment in this cutscene, right? Where Sarah just yells, what do you have to say for yourself? And then the camera is really up close, pans over all of the emotionless flan faces. And they just have like those dead yellow like eyes, which I thought was incredibly funny. It's also, fun this beat. is the last time in the game. The game is going to remind you that Sarah is a teacher. I mean, well, it's, not it's fine. Deal. They didn't need to really bring this back. It's just that's not true. Fucking in the next episode, they say, what would your students think if they saw you napping outside? Yeah, but, you know, she already does that. She married Snow. Yeah, she's basically a hobo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's your job, Snow? Monster finder. Duh. And with that, we are done just traipsing through side areas for now. Well, there's also there is a, a one of the cores shows up after you beat the flans. That's you have to remember because I left the area and had to come back to go get the core. Well, it's hidden. That's the thing about these cores is that they're always hidden. Oh, dude, the one in 400 was a nightmare. Okay, so back at Academia 400 XAF, after handing over the cores, Hope states his, or well, yes, a couple cores, 
OpenStates has planned to create a paradox weapon, a weapon that feeds on distortions. Hope needs Sarah and Noel to find a chaos crystal, which is back in uh, serendipity. I don't know, like making a weapon fueled by distortions and creating a paradox weapon, this all sounds really bad and it sounds like it could get out of control pretty quickly. But we're also talking about the same guy, the same guy who decided he wanted to make his own foul sea. I mean, Hope has some bad ideas. He might be an idiot. He has a very good idea with this one, though, because these are basically your endgame weapons. Oh, I'm, okay, fair. But like, like these, these are the things that run on artifacts. Yeah, they scale super hard. Yeah. Like, okay, so... Right now, your weapons, you haven't gotten a weapon upgrade in a long time, unless you go for the weird ATB side grade. Like, you haven't just gotten a numerically better one. I bet right now, if you went and got this, it's probably equivalent, if not better, already. Yeah, especially after we've just done this side quest episode. Yeah, especially also after the next fucking area where you get, like, ten artifacts in a row for nothing. Yup. Anyhow, we're going to presume that you have finished your side quest gathering with all the cores here and proceed. Hope in the Academy begins setting up the Graviton cores to create Neo Cocoon. It will take a century, but it can be done. Sarah and Noel get one artifact and are sent to the Lone Gate outside Academia that you couldn't touch before. On the walk over there, which is all a big cutscene, Noel talks to Sarah and goes... Hey, I wonder if Caius would decide to set up a trap for us. He's a time traveler, too. No, no, he probably won't do anything. We're helping Yule, right? Meanwhile, Noel's like, hmm, I can't remember anything. That usually means history's about to break, but I'm not going to say anything. Of course not. At the portal, Hope and Alyssa come to say goodbye. Once they leave, it might be a long time before they come back. Hope gives them some words of inspiration, including talking about the hatred he had for Snow. Very inspiring. You're talking to, like, Snow's fiance. There's a lot of thanks around and Hope speeches. The world's most awkward handshake happens, where Alyssa makes it weird by then grasping Sarah's hand with her other hand. <laughs> that, that weirded me out it's a little bit. It's a power bit. move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just as Noel and Sarah enter the portal, Alyssa just, like, fucking gives Mog the evil eye. There you go in. And on the way to the Historia Crux, Noel is separated from Sarah, and once you get to the Historia Crux screen, it appears corrupted. You're, you're underselling this a little bit. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't actually know what it looks like. Mog gets dunked by one of the giant rings. That's what I was about to describe, yeah. So whenever you go through a gate and there's a plot beat, you're going through this orange void in rings. Right, right yeah. Yeah, the onion rings of time. And this time, the path you're on starts falling apart around you and splits all your characters up and flings them into the void. That, oh, that I should great. also mention, there's a little bit of narration at the end of this cutscene. A woman is telling the player or i guess she's speaking to sarah that in the future she does not exist so she had to do something it's very that's ominous. Alyssa. <gasps> spoilers oh stop let's not even pretend if we're describing the cutscene right after you heard her talk <laughs> that's that's fair i mean you did just hear her talk that's okay in the next area you get to hear vanille's voice and they try to play it off like it's a surprise as though vanille did not have the most obvious and grating voice in the entirety of the last game do we want to discuss the paradox ending here right now yeah yeah go for sure. it 
So in the main plot, Alyssa sabotages this gate and flings you all to the void because of the fact that, as we saw earlier in the game, she's supposed to be dead. She's working for Caius to continue her own existence via paradoxes. If we go with the paradox scope and open this gate, the best ending in the game happens. Snow shows up on a time-traveling motorcycle, flies in (laughs) with cops, and arrests Alyssa. This is not a joke. I am describing what literally happens. I'm going to Google it right now. He then goes... Yeah, man, I I saw the future. This whole thing is fucked up, and I don't want my lady to have any part of it. But someone needs to protect Hope, because as you see, Caius is out to get him. Noel, you stay here and watch Hope. And Noel and Hope both have the most, aw, man, shucks face, because they want to be in part of the plot. Snow then scoops up his lady, puts her on the back of his bike, And they fly into the fucking sky like the end of Back to the Future on this motorcycle to go fix the plot and kill Caius. Yeah, I'd believe it. That's weird. That sounds amazing. The best paradox ending in the game, ladies and gentlemen. I'll need to get it then. I don't know, though. You do. The one where Mog poisons everybody sounded pretty good. Uh, no, you absolutely need to look up the Time Cop one because it rules. Is this the one called uh, The Future is Hope? Is yes. That the name of it. Okay. Oh. All right. I have it up right now. I'm gonna watch it. Yes. Please do. <laughs> I want to hear your Put response. It in the Slack. Player just rejects the artifact from Alyssa. I'm seeing a distinct lack of motorcycle right now. Oh, there it is. Okay. Okay. The funniest How good is that? I mean, it's pretty good, but I think you oversold it slightly. I was expecting it to be more over the top than it was. But the thing I, I like about this the most is that Sarah says, oh, guess what? This is where we have all the fun without you, player. Yeah. <laughs> this is where I go on adventures with my fiance, Snow. But you're not going to get to see any of that. And of course, there are 13 eras to visit because of because course. I'm playing the world's fastest deck. I did two games of Hearthstone in that time. <laughs> did you watch it? No, no. Because you didn't oh, like I, it. I thought I thought I was okay. So it's that that's a lot nice of fun, job, especially asshole. like I mean, you still have uh, hope being pretty salty at snow for being snow again. Yeah. All right. Let us finish this episode. OK, uh, let's do character development check in now that we've done a ton of side shit in the course of this episode. I got. Ravager bonus two for Sarah. I had to go around the entire Crystarium with no abilities. I did unlock Medic for Sarah, just because Ugalu made me want two non-monster Medics, because it would have been less tight. Noel got Com bonus one and two, which I've been waiting since the beginning of the game to get for him. My monster roster is looking a lot more diverse. I have more Medics and Synergists now, including a green Chocobo. I'm not sure if I want to use the green chocobo or the flanner, but they're both medics. I got a new ravager monster that is physically focused, but it replaced my main ravager and I'm really liking it. Sarah and Noel have their limit break move, you know, those special full ATB moves like Meteor Rain or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Joe, what's interesting about those, I ran into those for the first time and you can only cast those once per battle. That's new. Yeah, but oh, dude. They're super strong, though, because what you can do is you you stagger an enemy, 
cast ultimate arrow and then while the animation is happening switch to a paradigm where sarah is a commando Mm -hmm. and it does a bajillion damage Hmm. yeah that's actually a trick that like was very popular in final fantasy 13 with zaz you do that cold blood and while he's doing it you switch a commando and it does so much damage so yeah that's an old trick I think the same works with uh, Army of One as well. And no, I'm not doing an Army of One gag. I am done. <laughs> That's my that. favorite Bjork song. Mm. It's not that Matt's no one's slave. It's that he's a slave to this gag. <sighs> yes, I was a slave to the gag. Sorry. <laughs> it's weird to me that you're like switching up your monsters very often. Like, I just have not really swapped them out since... Uh... Augusta too. Well, I have that new behemoth now. Well, they always feel I have crappy. the Orion, and then I have that Ravager behemoth. So we... Sometimes I have a Bunker Beast if I really need it. Literally all I'm doing is swapping up my monsters. So Sarah is at level 99 in Ravager roll. Noel is at level 99 in Commando. I think everyone's unlocked all their roles now, and they've basically gotten all of their moves. Or maybe some people only have five roles yet, but they... Pretty much have learned all the abilities they can up, uh, with them. I still feel pretty weak and underdeveloped for some reason. I guess I'm just not... I don't have any great moves yet. Well, it sounds like you don't... Well, because you're taking roles, you don't have bonuses. Which is probably what's leading to you feeling really underdeveloped. Well, I, I need to find a synergist that has bravery or something. I think that will make me feel a lot better. I think uh, you should get the giant cactuar then, because that's bravery is like the first thing it learns. Yeah, it's so <laughs> distractingly large. Uh, right. It makes me wish there were cutscenes where you saw your monster. Mm-hmm. Right. So for for me, I'm a little confused about the interface on the leveling thing because you're given an overall level of your characters on the main screen, but I think that only reads your commando level. It might just be your overall level for whatever roles you're in in your paradigm. Well, here, maybe, because uh, you might be right, actually. I think you're right. That makes more sense. But anyway, so like I started I started the idea that Sarah was 50 Commando, 60 Ravenger, 10 Sentinel, 50 Saboteur, Medic 22. And then she went up to like 63 Commando, 78 Ravenger, 37 Sentinels, still a 50 Saboteur, still a 22 Medic. I mean, and like similar thing with with Noel, he started off like sixty sixty on Commando Ravenger, with like Synergist and Sentinel being in like teens, the twenty or low twenties, and then they all ended up like he's like seventy three Commando, sixty Ravenger, thirty two Sentinel, fifty Synergist, Medic thirty five. I feel like I've gotten like a significant amount of growth in terms of levels. I feel like I'm rolling pretty cleanly through most of the battles too. Like I'm not having to. All of my battles have been, I start with Cerberus, hit a couple of times, switch to try disaster wide, blast everything. And if I want to switch back to Cerberus to finish off anybody, I will. But for the most part, it's just been one or two switches then done. In my Paradigm pack, I've been rolling with a Dragoon at level 20 as a commando. That Dragoon is super strong. Like I, I checked the, uh, I know we talked about this last time, Chris, that like you said, check the Orion and I had one. But I leveled the Orion all the way up, and it's like half or like only two-thirds of the strength of the Dragoon as a commando. Yeah, I just like it because it has a lot of HP, so I don't have to care about it. Oh, okay. I, I haven't had any problems with HP. So, like, yeah, the Dragoon has been doing a lot of really good work. I'm still rolling with a level 43 Garkhai Mar- Marsara. God, 
name is ridiculous. Um, that's it still has like 600 magic, so it's just blasting everything. And I have the Pulse Knight, maxed out Pulse Knight sitting as a Sentinel, but I haven't used him unless I'm healing, which hasn't been very common. Go get a Bunker Beast. I'll try to find one, but like I tried, you know, I'm surprised. I fought a bunch of those giant behemoths, didn't get one. I didn't get the the behemoth that's rolling around in um one of the Awarebas. Something because with a V, it's got a different name. Didn't capture that one. I didn't. Is it the blue one or the albino one? I think it's the blue one. Yeah, the blue one is the one that I was telling you about. It's a, a Ravager, but all of its like elemental strike moves have cleave, mm. which mm. is really strong. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to like, I don't know how much I want to spend time going back and sort of grinding don't. them to pick one up because I'm not picking up that many of these these bigger guys. And I'm trying to use the feral links and such in order to boost my my capture percentage. But I'm just eh. All you can do is five star and barrel link, and then I think there might be an accessory that increases capture rate. That wouldn't surprise me. I did get a giant cactuar. Uh, I haven't used him yet because his stats uh, are low. He's goofy, especially when you put the backpack on him because it scales to his size. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like I want to use him because like giant cactuar. Hell yeah! But he sucks. Yeah. But that's uh yeah that's about it for for me. I'm just it's been a pretty smooth ride of late. But I also hadn't fought any of the super boss or high-end boss battles in this section yet. I need to go back and try that and see if I just get dunked on. So, do we have any closing thoughts on this, other than it was pretty middling and the riffs kind of suck? I think that the concept of this part of the game is pretty interesting, you know, giving a lot of non-linearity, going out into the world and just finding a series of MacGuffins and exploring, but actually this is pretty boring, and it wasn't fun. Oh, dude, I would be so mad. Like, imagine a world where, like, game facts didn't exist. Oh, that would be the worst. And I didn't already have all seven of these, and the game just says, go run through the whole game until you find these. You mean you didn't buy the guide for this because it doubled as an art book? No. Why would I well, do there, that? Because art book. There is one person, when you're in Academia 4XXAF, and you yeah, leave... Yeah, they give you a picture, and that's it. Yeah, there's someone who, like, will tell you which which area to go to. At the very least, that's nice, but... Where I was in the game, I had to go through sometimes a couple of areas and then dig for more wild artifacts before I even get to the area with the cores. So, like, why don't why don't you just do the? I know they just do. Is it this game that has the purple circle on the map when like you know it's in this vague area? No, I don't I was think playing so, an no. open world game recently that had that. No, it was definitely uh, not. I don't think oh, that's that this been. one. No, it's that not. might that might have been Watch Dogs Two. Actually, that is Watch Dogs Two. I didn't want to say it because it's like <laughs> I think that's Watch Dogs. <laughs> Well, that that'd be a hell of a crossover, but yeah, right? Why couldn't they just do that instead of a picture? Because this is a Japanese developer's first open world game. Fucking every time we go to talk about this, I think about inspired by Red Dead Redemption and then giggle. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's true. It's a true fact. 
Uh, okay, it's only true in that they said, what if this wasn't absolutely the worst, but also not great? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, fine. In terms like, of side questing. My, my take on this section, it's fine. I mean, like, if you wanted to take a break and do a bunch of stuff, like, you could have gone through these areas earlier in the game. Like, I definitely hit Brescia Ruins 300 AF earlier even though I wasn't like really strong enough to fight like the giant packs of bombs you run into just to grab items and to open gates and stuff. So like you can break this up in a way where it feels like less of a slog than the way we probably did it. But then again, like if you didn't have a guide telling you how to get through all of the last chapter, you'd probably wander in and out of a few of these areas. Oh, I did almost all of these. Mm -hmm. I'm very disappointed. We're not talking about the vile peaks because it's, I'm not going to go through all of the hassle with the cactuar statues until we get the grav boots. I'm not going to do all that other shit. I will cover it for you. I don't even remember the vile peaks from this game. It's probably because it's bland. I went to, uh, I think it was vile peaks 10 AF and it's snowy and you basically, uh, I don't know if it's burning cast for, for later. Is it? If not, I won't. Vile peaks is basically Oracle of ages there. Yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah. Like, the setup is cool. Right. That could be said about many things in this game. The setup <laughs> is cool. No, but they're like, the execution is interesting, too. Mm-hmm. In this case. Yeah. Except they put the fucking bullshit biggest area, like, complete this global area-wide poorly messaged objective before you can do the other part of this cool thing. That's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, as a whole, though, this doesn't feel nearly as bloated as, like, the missions in the post game of 13, you know, and this, a lot of this is, you know, set your pacing as you will. If you're playing along, you know, or just playing through the game casually. So, I mean, I don't know if I would have done as much of the side stuff in one go, if I were playing it on my own, if I, or obviously had I known that I was going to be railroaded for a few hours, I probably would have stopped and done more side quests anyway, but playing blind, I would have probably kept rolling through the main plot. But yeah, it, it, it's fine. They do some interesting things with time stuff, but nothing nothing extraordinary. Guys, tell me about your plugs. Well, probably by the time this releases, it'll be out already. I was on an episode of the Golden Pages podcast talking about Persona 4 Golden, specifically the month of May, early June, uh, which is Kanji and his dungeon. So that's going to be up. Oh, the best part of the game. It's it's a pretty good part of the game. There's a like. Going over it, there's so much that happens in that, like, it's the first month you have control. And anyway, there's a lot to talk about. That game. It was, I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, I'm probably going to, in the future, be on another episode of the Doctor Who podcast, Alex and Rachel versus the Hooniverse. Don't know when exactly, or like, who knows, maybe it'll be out by the time this releases, because we re- we're going to record this way in advance. But I should be on there again soon. Hi, this is Matt dropping in from the editor's booth. Alex and Rachel vs. the Hooniverse is currently on an extended, possibly indefinite hiatus. So uh, whenever that does come back, if it does come back, I'll be on there. However, right now we do plan to have Alex on for possibly a bonus episode. Uh, details forthcoming on that, but uh, we'll let you know. And uh, sorry for the uh, two-month-old persona for Golden Pages podcast plug. Alright, so I'm still doing that Final Fantasy VII New Threat Let's Play. I'm up to... I think I'm at the time of this recording. I'm about to go to Midgar. Mm-hmm. The latest episode has me flying around and fighting Ultima weapons. Don't you start the game there? 
Yeah, but then you return later. Do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember. Uh, also, just recently, I did a video on The Sims. I played The Sims a little bit. I did a little video about me reminiscing and exploring The Sims. It's pretty different than my other two videos, the one on Dial-Up and the one on La Milana, because it's very stream of consciousness. It's basically a vehicle for me to make jokes. Oh, you should you should talk a little bit more detail about the Dial-Up one, because oh, yeah, I don't I think, don't that's think been I put it on this channel yet. No, it just came out. I did a video on my experience with dial-up, which I had practically up until 2014. I go through what it was like having it early on, and then, you know, as internet progressed forward, and I still had to use dial-up, and all the ways I survived all that. That makes me so sad. Like, I could not imagine not having gigabit internet. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating to think about, because I missed out on a lot, but that's just the way it is. And in my case, I don't have a lot to plug right now because as of the time of recording this, my network is on fire and being put out with piss. So I will instead just do another plug for the Neptunia sale that just ended on Steam and you should have bought those games. Let me tell you about <laughs> Sega Hard Girls vs. Super Dimension Neptunia, the best JRPG you will play this year, and the spiritual successor to Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. Ooh, that's interesting. Wow. All of those things are unappealing. How did you do it? <laughs> you know I'm, me. I'm curious uh, about Dragon Quarter. I've been curious about it for a while, so my interest is slightly peaked. Dragon Quarter is a fascinating game that a lot of people were not willing to engage with because of the fact that failure was required and you needed to loop. Unless you played with a super stupid guide and relied on a lot of RNG. So... Just get used to the fact that you will fail forward. That's Dragon Quarter. I mean, you know, having played plenty of, like, say, like, Rogue Legacy, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Now. Sure. Imagine that. But now there's narrative content, but you have to repeat it. Actually, you have just made me realize the ultimate thing we should put in the show notes, which is how to sell people on its successor game. Let me find that video. Which, by the way, Chris, talking about uh, running through the same stuff and the same content, I've already played Nier Automata. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking. Like, I, I like that let's game. Let's bitch but, about Nier oh. Automata, which is a game that I like. Me too. But I hate that it's a 20-hour prologue to a seven-hour game. <laughs> yeah, Route B drags. Uh, I would say Route B has its high points, but it drags because you have to replay all Does the other it? points. Does it? I think it does. The high points are the part where it turns into the game you want to play at the end. No, I mean, like, in terms of the stuff you learn when you're 9S diving into the stuff, like, stuff that actually puts the narrative forward and recontextualizes the Route A stuff. But I, you have to play I through Route A again you. to do it, essentially. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I like everything that's there, but by volume, it's too much. Yeah, it, it's it's surprisingly bloated for, like, a 40-hour game. What do you mean for? You have been damaged by this podcast when you say it's surprisingly bloated for a 40 hour game. Not the fact that it's a 40 hour (laughs) game is a huge red flag. (laughs) Look, look, hey, Chris, Chris, I spent almost 100 hours on Persona 5 and then spent like 80 hours on Persona. I spent almost 100 hours on Persona 5, (laughs) but I liked Persona 5 all the way through. 
I didn't like I definitely dragged a little bit in the middle of Nier Automata, although it was still fun enough to move and control and fight things that I and I like the aesthetic enough that I I went through it. I would have liked Persona 5 a lot more if a they cut one of one or two of the dungeons, which could easily be done in the plot. Disagree. But the big the biggest thing for me is that they go halfway between ease of use, where all of the chopping is just a giant menu, or there is no, like, teleport to outside the shop and you have to run around, which makes you get grounded in it as a place. They do the halfway thing, where it just feels like a giant inconvenience. I would be fine with either extreme, Mm -hmm. but... That middle ground makes me just feel inconvenienced all the time, because it neither, like, grounds it as a place... Or is convenient. Man, if if Atlas ever does a Persona Five portable and they try to like flatten out the exploration of Tokyo, it's gonna lose a lot of its charm for me. Like, I, I know guess that's what they're crazy, gonna but... charge you again for that game. Oh, of course. Like, and I will buy it because because you're an asshole. Because <laughs> I like that game like, a lot. You can give me all the crap you like about supporting the Neptune games, but at <laughs> least they're not as predatory as Latter Day Persona. Uh, well, at least like, I hate that because I can't refute that argument. At least the dancing games like those those new dancing games are egregious in their pricing structure. I mean, Persona 5 itself was fine. Like I paid $60 for a big game. I just saw what they did with the new Persona Rhythm games. And it's, oh, it's like if bad. Theatrhythm was followed up, not with a collected edition, but with a game for every Final Fantasy. Fuck that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I saw that. That is egregious. And I will still buy it. It's almost like they know that (laughs) a bunch of assholes will buy it no matter what it is. Uh, Atlas is a bad company that just happens to make games you like despite yourself. uh, There's a reason all I'm buying from them are SMT titles. I just want the soundtracks. I don't mean Persona. I mean, I just want the soundtracks, the dancing soundtracks. That's really what I'm in it for. But eh. I I keep away from most of the spinoff stuff for Persona. I'm just I... not really interested, especially Persona 4. Like, when I was done with that game, I didn't want to, like, ruin the ending for me, so I avoided all the supplemental material. Yo, Persona 4 Arena was good. Uh, with Persona 5, I just don't care. I came off of Persona 5 pretty bad. And... I, I still love that game. I feel like I'm, like, one of the few people in our circle of internet acquaintances that, like, well, me and, like, one other guy. Actually, no, that's true. There's, like, three or four, but, like, we're outnumbered by the number of people that either outright hate the game or just are extremely lukewarm and stop playing. It's very strange. I yeah. might, like, I might warm up on it over time. Like, maybe I'll play it again sometime later and I'll like it, but for now, I'm just not feeling it. You know, I know the secret to why everyone on the internet at large seems to like it and then the people there don't. It's because for the people there... It ain't their first or second rodeo like it is for everyone else who discovered Persona 4, like, via Giant Bomb and Golden. Yeah, the fact that those got so repetitive is why you don't see me touching them. Because for me, it's like, here's the same fucking game over and over again. It's only the third And this one is just worse than the... This one is just worse than the last two. Ah, dis- hard it's not disagree. The third time around. I still it's think- the fifth time around. No, the fir- here's the thing. The first two games were way different. No, I'm talking about I'm talking about portable. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which all of the people who lap up all of Atlas's piss bought anyway. Fess Fess was my breaking point. I tapped out at Fess. Fess was uh I, I played Fess third. I played Golden, then five, then Fess. And I 
I hated my time with Fess, but like looking back on it, Fess I could... was so bad they've never re-released that arc. Oh, you mean you mean the the answer? Yeah, I'm not, ca- I'm not even counting the yeah, answer. No, I'm, not, I'm, not even, yeah. I'm not even counting the answer because the answer is hot garbage. But... That that was straight up it. I bounced, especially when the next game was. Look, it's the same engine again. It's better though. It's 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 not nearly as painful as trying to grind in Tartarus. I felt, but that's just me. Anyway, <laughs> you sound you are bad at video no, games. I, finished, I don't understand anyone who complains about grinding in Tartarus. I finished I never the answer in, in one first... eight-hour session, and I was done. I just left it's, that series. Ouch. It's so bad. It's no, the terrible. answer the answer is inexcusable. It is. It ruins the plot. Yes, it does. It's bad. Co- it's just. A bunch of combat, and it's about the character you cared about the least. And all of you just decide to reveal that, hey, a year after we saved the world, we're all delusional fuck-ups. <sighs> yeah. I actually never played that mode. I, I was planning on revisiting Persona 3 sometime soon. Well, it's the best Gra- one. Graham, <laughs> hard, hard disagree. But anyway, Graham, uh, don't, just watch the four-hour supercut of all of the... Uh, cinematics instead like i did that's all you really need to do don't actually play the Who answer cares about that the animation isn't that good why do people care about that? i wanted to see what the story did it's like pokemon indigo league quality of animation it, i don't care about the like actual animation i just wanted to like actually see the story and character stuff play out and spoiler okay. it's mostly terrible <laughs> what in persona 3 persona 3 the answer Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, the answer. Yeah, I'd say like, like play like the actual stri- main game. You that doesn't work, but like, yeah. If you just want to know what's happening with the answer, just watch the, the supercut on YouTube. Okay. Anyway, we might need to. Did we <laughs> wrap this thing up? You can get in contact with us on Twitter and Facebook at Light X Thrice. That's all. Until next time, when we'll be talking about Neptunia. most, not all, of Episode Five. Goodbye. 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 All right. Ciao. This podcast was brought to you by the Pitch Drop Podcast Network. Like what you just heard? Support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pitch drop. And while you're at it, check out pitchdrop.net for more of this and other shows.